Welcome to Ben Navarra's podcast with your host, Ben Navarra's. Howdy and good morning or afternoon, depending on where you're at in the world. Today we have on Miss Heather Connor. Thank you, Heather, for coming on. Heather is America's sweetheart. I'm reading, I'm going to read her uh, Instagram here. Um, her, uh, She's America's sweetheart, multi-time IPF world champion and medalist. We, we definitely know that all about you. And the strongest female deadlifter in the IPF, of course, with the hair whip um, yeah. and then uh, and a health and nutrition coach. So super excited. And then it's sponsored by SBD. Is that what that means? Yes. Nice. Damn. Hey, you're cool. You're doing, you're doing all the things inside the fitness industry. Yeah, uh, I guess so. Like sometimes I forget like how blessed I'm kind of am in the sport um, or that not everybody's doing what I'm doing. So I get humbled by random people all the time, <laughs> not even humbled, but just kind of like, I guess because I am so humble about what I have accomplished that sometimes people remind me like, no, like you should be hyping yourself up over this. I'm like, oh, no. Oh, yeah. I, I'm with them because I feel like who else yeah. is going to talk about your story, right? Like you're the only person, I guess, that like be your hype. You know, other than that, people are just like watching and they don't really know your story. You know who would hype me up the most? My dad. Hell yeah. That's a good person to hype you up. We got to have your dad on. We got to have, we got to have a tidbit for your dad, like interjected, you know? (laughs) Yeah. He's like number one fan. If you ever need to know anything about me, he, you could just meet him. He's like, okay, let me tell you about my daughter. She's so cool. That's, that's (laughs) pretty him. I'm the coolest person in the world. Having that support is pretty amazing. I feel like not, I feel like when I first started in powerlifting, my parents were like, you're going to get hurt. Don't do it. And I was like, you know, having some support would have been nice a little bit, you know, yeah. like that, that encouragement. And there was that like underlying, but it was always in the front end. Like, don't get hurt. Don't get hurt. Yeah. And like, I'm not going to get hurt. Maybe. Right? Most, well, most the women likely. in my family were definitely like that, especially my grandma. She was just like, no, this, I, what are you doing? This is not okay. <laughs> my grandma especially was that way. Where are you from? North Carolina. Your accent is very Southern. Yeah. Um, so in North Carolina, you'll have different regions. Um, so I grew up on the coast, real, um, I guess you could say redneck. Nice. <laughs> like, I mean, straight in the swamplands, like that's where you would find me at. Um, but now I'm a little bit closer to Fort Bragg. Um, so I do work with them. Um and around here, you'll get a lot of different accents. So, because you have everybody from all different parts of the country yeah. over here. So, it's sometimes I really have to slow down what I'm saying so people will understand exactly what I am trying to say. Um, I was in France back in October and I was speaking just like I am now. Um, obviously, there is that language barrier. And I answered one of their questions and they looked at me and they're like, slow down and i was like i i don't know how to go any slower (laughs) this is as slow as it goes yeah yeah it it sounds like it's a familiar 
accent, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I'm from South Texas and then from, you know, around the College Station area. And it yeah. sounds familiar. I just, I don't know. I thought you were from the New England area all this time for whatever reason. Oh, God, no. Now that sounds way too cold for me. <laughs> like, I don't do well with cold. I'm already a super cold person as it is. Like where most people are hot. I'm like, I'm freezing. So I have about 10 jackets in my car Damn. Um, because I'm that Fair. person at the gym. I'm going to have a jacket. on. <laughs> That's wild. Um, so what are you doing with Fort Bragg? Well, I, I train their soldiers. Um, so some are getting ready for like ACFTs, which for people that don't know what that is, um, it's kind of like a PT test for the soldiers and they do have different curriculums now or a different standard. Um, so a lot of people come to me for help with that. Um, but I also help people in special forces as well as special operations to get them physically ready for schools and classes and, um, different courses like that as well. When did you start doing that? I mean, that's freaking cool. Um, I actually started doing this a little bit over a year ago. I was teaching for about 11 years, um, but because of my involvement, like with my family and everything else in the military, um, it's kind of like a who you know situation, which then allowed me to fall right into this place, of course, with the right credentials and everything like that. They just don't pick up a Joe Schmo. Yeah. Um, so it's it was all about who I knew, and I just knew the right people and it's been very rewarding thus far. Like I really, I really enjoy it. Now these men, they probably don't enjoy it. A four ten, hundred pound female yelling at them. <laughs> they got to get used to the yelling. I mean, yeah. Now if they're in their course, I know they're getting yelled at plenty, but it's typically not by people like me. I yeah. will say um, during one of the Q courses, this guy did tell me he was being yelled at by a woman about my size. And she like in this course, like these instructors can just do the worst things to you. And she ended up punching this dude in the face, like as hard as she could Damn. And it hurt him. And, but his reaction to it was to laugh because in his own words, he couldn't believe he just got hit that hard <laughs> by a smaller female. And I guess when he laughed, it just made his situation that much worse for him. Um, <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> so some of these stories I hear are, are very fun and interesting. Um, so I mean, I guess if the, if I'm the first person they see, they know what they have to look forward to you. <laughs> it must like you're working with these guys that are like these hard ass men. And I would imagine getting a lot of really cool stories, not just from their path, but also watching the type of, the type of training they're going through yeah. and then what you're putting them through. What what are you having them go through? in training are you working specifically in the the big three movements or are you what i guess what is your back like you said a, a teacher for 11 years what kind of mm-hmm. teacher and then um what i guess what are your qualifications i guess if you don't mind me asking right so i was an elementary education teacher so i taught grades between kindergarten and fifth grade um but that wasn't my first degree my actual first degree was sports and exercise science um, and then in the process of, you know, getting my degree in that, uh, they had a teacher shortage and they were kind of looking for people that had bachelor or master degrees. 
And so I just, I went through a program that would allow me, it was a, a teach program to where you do this three-year course with that. And then you can flow right into um, the teacher position. Now in that three-year course, I was considered a teacher, but as far as like the licensure and things like that, you had to complete a three-year course for that. Wow. Um, and that was very fulfilling in my life. Like I really did enjoy working with children. It just was unfortunate that after COVID happened, just the rules became so dramatic. Um, it was almost like I was walking on eggshells every single day, like nothing a teacher did was right. And then you got yelled at if you thought you were doing something right. And it just, you, it was like, damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. So my mental health kind of like, like just full speed into the ground. And I'm the kind of person that if I don't do something right away, I will sit on it and then feel bad about it and then not go through with it. <laughs> so I didn't even put a two week notice in. I looked her dead in the face. and I was like, um, I, cause I had just took a leave of absence. I took a leave of absence that lasted two weeks. And even during that leave of absence, I was still getting numerous phone calls, which kind of wasn't allowed. And yeah. I had to just to help with my mental health. Um, but when that happened and I got back and nothing was better. I just remember I sat in my classroom before school started and I was just crying and I was like, this is not it. This isn't healthy. Um, I'm going home and I'm angry. I'm stressed. And I, I went right to her office and I said, um, I'm just allowing you to know that I will no longer continue to work here. And she's like, I, okay. Um, when's your last day? I was like today. <laughs> today and I would never do that but I knew if I put in a two-week notice I would have stayed I would have stayed because I really did enjoy the kids they were sweethearts and sometimes you know you'll have people say oh I bet the parents were terrible no um that class specifically the parents were pretty cool so it was very hard to like just immediately make that decision but it was definitely one that I had to make I had to. Um, so it, it took me a little bit to transition into this position because I had to go through a whole bunch of background stuff uh, to make sure I, I could do stuff like this. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to their training, like I, I kind of like relate it to teaching because I'm still teaching in a way. Um, sure. So I really haven't lost anything. I'm just teaching a different type of way. Um, I do involve the three big movements. But the three big movements are not what's going to challenge these men enough, these men and these women, um, because a lot of this stuff is like they have to go on very long ruck marches. Um, so they definitely need the cardio. They're going to be in situations that are not very ideal. Um, so just some things I don't teach, like if it's like land navigation or anything like that, that's not my expertise. So they do have classes for that. But as far as like, um, I remember at one point we turned the AC and everything off in the gym because some of these men would be in such hot areas. They were going to have to learn how to go through a training course, not be like, I mean, just sweating, drenched, just trying to make it through it to where they weren't passing out. Yeah. Um, so a lot of this I had to learn from. Um, I had the right people on my side to show me guidelines that they did have to go through. 
this is what they need to be stronger. This is what they need to build up that stamina and that endurance to be able to complete these courses. Um, and it's not even just about the physical aspect of everything. It's also the mental aspect of everything. Some of these guys, when they're at these courses, they cannot talk to their spouses. They cannot talk to anybody. And if they fail, they're there till the end of that course. <laughs> so imagine failing like the first week in and <laughs> you just got to wait it out. You got to wait it out. And um, so some things I can help them with and some I just cannot because I can like the physical aspect of everything I can. But when it comes to like, um, you know, their psychic exams and stuff like that. Now, I will be able to, like, speak to some of these soldiers and um, kind of suggest that they may talk to somebody because um, it's there's, like, indicators that if they go into these courses like that, they'll probably fail certain areas. Um, but I am just not the professional to help them with that because it's it's mentally tough on these guys. Like some of these, again, some of these stories I've heard, I just, I couldn't do it. I mean, maybe, yeah. but I mean, this guy told me, you know, they will say the craziest things to you just to get a reaction from you to see how you're going to respond. And honestly, some of these stories, <laughs> if I, if I was told some of these things, I'd probably break down and start crying. Like, no way, no way you're saying <laughs> right now um so there's a lot that really goes into these training and for me like I see myself as a very good listener to very good working ears so a lot of the times even our women will just open up to me about things um that's kind of like stressing them out leading into this what do they think they need help more with and typically some things that they need help with um I try to put more into that into their program um whether it be for these hard courses, these schools, or just the basic ACFT test. But all in all, like, it's just an abundance of different things. But the the big three are definitely in there because you're going to need it. It's going to be useful somewhere. It seems like a very elaborate training program. Yeah, I mean, you, you have <laughs> – I think powerlifters, yeah, they, they they specialize in the big three, sure. Mm -hmm. But there, there's a lot more that goes into it in, in terms of, like, building up a work capacity, right? Like, right. having having enough volume in the program, mm -hmm. having enough um, – accessories and mobility and, and all and all the other things that people don't see um on the platform that allow people to do the cool thing on the platform i think same thing wow. with the the operator they're doing a lot of really cool things behind the scenes that they don't like that people don't get to see or understand and then they most people don't get to see whatever they're doing actually on the field but what what they're doing on the field is the the, the execution and the culmination of all the things that they were they've been using and training with um so that it's more complicated than just I think powerlifters are more complicated than just, Ooh. oh, I powerlift. Oh, I do three movements. Yeah, sure. But there's mm. a lot more there, right? Like there, there's a full brain that's working inside that head. And so right. like that's – I was like I wanted to learn a little bit more about what behind – who is behind the athlete because I feel like so many times we can see and I feel like – a lot of those uh, uh, social media gets a really good view of like you, you posting videos, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's a constant 
um, it's it's a good way to continue to to, to grow in that space. It's yeah. kind of what people want to see. But it's like, when, well, who is Heather? Like, who like what is it? Does Heather trains special operators? Like that? That's crazy. Like that's cool. You know? Yeah, I mean, um, and it, it's like I I do I do train the regular everyday yeah. people as well. Um, those are typically in the morning. Um, and those are pretty fun. I mean, these housewives and these hardware, <laughs> those Love. are probably the funniest people to train. Um, I probably hear better stories from them than I do the military <laughs> because, um, they, it's like every day they come in with a different story to tell me. Um, so I do look forward to that, but yeah, like I do only show bits and pieces of me on social media. And I did make this conversation the other day where I specifically asked exactly what you were saying. Like, who are you off of social media? That's the person I care about to know because yeah. social media is not real. I was listening to a podcast where somebody's like, I can go online and say I'm a doctor and people are going to believe I'm a doctor. I was yeah. watching a video the other day where somebody said, if you're hungry, you're burning fat. And I'm like, you are just putting this information out there. Nobody's <laughs> going to believe it, right? They're like, okay, I'm burning fat. I need to starve. And I'm like, no. <laughs> but that's the internet, right? You can say whatever you want to. You can post whatever you want to. You have couples that post that they're so happy, but in real life, they're pretty miserable probably. Um, so things like that. I try to, for the most part, who I am online is typically who I am in person. Like I'm a silly person. I'm a goofy person. Um, but there are things I just refuse to show online because I try to have that separation. Like Heather's going to have her personal life yeah. and good luck <laughs> because it's, it's always one of those things where people are like, Oh, I know her. I'm like, all right, tell me three facts. Right. Not three facts that you've seen online, but three facts that nobody else would know right now, but somebody that knows me. It's hard. There's not, yeah. There's not very many people that would be able to come up with that answer, right? Like people, I, it, it is a personality that people can come to understand in a very, um, in, in a vacuum, right? They only see you in this, in this one space. And I talked to somebody in one of my podcasts that said they had started getting people that were texting them and like threatening to like send their, their send like messages that they had or like they hacked their account or whatever. And I was like, this seems insane, you know, and, and good for her. She only posted about her work on, yeah. on her social media and, she, even then it was she was still worried that man who's gonna find this like who's gonna see and who who is even messaging me right, right. like it's having it comp compartmentalized i think is is a good thing but i think also a difficult thing because you do want to like just be yourself right yeah. like you just want to be you and post what you do mm -hmm. um but then there are people out there that are gonna attach themselves to to to, to you oddly enough yeah, it can get kind of weird sometimes. Um, I always tell people, you you need to know who you're talking to. <laughs> Just before you act crazy, please find out who 
you are talking to. Because I'm sitting here with a smile on my face and be like, uh-oh, wrong one. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, let me call up somebody real quick. It's You can come at me with fake numbers all you want to. Um, I've gotten pretty good at hiding from the internet when it comes to certain things. Um, but, you know, if people come to me with like silliness or craziness, I'm just, okay. Like before in the past, that might've really bothered me. Um, but I feel like I've grown as a person to where, you know, I don't kind of like attach what these people say to who I am because these people don't know me. Somebody had to say that to me one time. They're like, I was just getting so upset over what somebody on the internet said to me. And they're like, do you know this person? I'm like, no. Yeah. They're like, well, do they know you? I was like, no. And they're like, so why do you care? This person doesn't know. You don't know them. So why does their opinion matter? And that has stuck with me for years. And it's kind of like how I choose to walk by life now. Like, oh, let me see who the source is. Mm, Not worried about it. You know, like it is what it is at the end of the day. If you, if you don't like me, dang, I hate it for you because I think I'm a pretty freaking awesome person. <laughs> and if you do like me, cool. <laughs> like, but it's not going to, I'm not going to lose sleep overnight if you don't like me. Like somebody tried to come at me about listening to Cardi B. I mean, I drastically came at me saying that. You know, they brought religion into it and just basically, oh said, yeah, it was insane. I was like, dude, God still loves me while I'm rapping Cardi B. He's probably rapping along with me. Who knows? Because <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's vibing with me. Like, it's fine. Like, this doesn't mean that I'm the devil. <laughs> like, but in this guy's eyes, like, I really was. Like he was trying to convince me, like gaslight me to the point where I believed that I was a bad person. And then I was like, Heather, think about the things that you do for yourself and for this community. And then respond to yourself. Heather, are you a bad person? (laughs) No. It was like so quick of an answer. No, I'm not. Even the school that I left, I do charity events to raise, like we do like canned food drives where I'm at to where I will do like all that, raise all this food, raise all this money, and then go donate it to the schools. And all I get out of that is a simple thank you. And that's all I need. Because in my heart, I know I'm helping the people around me. And it's like, I'm about to do a charity event for a rescue shelter. (laughs) So again, will Cardi B be playing at that charity event? Probably. (laughs) (laughs) So it's kind of one of those things where like, This guy sees me as the devil himself while other people see what I'm doing is a saint. So it's, I let it go. I can't, I can't let it bother me. It takes, it, it takes an evolved individual. I feel like, because it's so easy to be so reactive Mm -hmm. and just be upset with people that like, no, like you don't understand person. Like, like I've done all these things and you can like go off and you can make this yeah. list. But once they've already made the decision inside their brain to, that they either like you or don't like mm-hmm. you, then everything that you're doing isn't like you're not, you're not going to say anything that's going to make them that's change right. their mind. And so it, take, it takes a, to be in a better place 
yeah. to look in inside and introspectively and say, well, am I a good person or is this person, are they just trying to gaslight me? Right. And I think, yeah. unfortunately, I don't know what the benefit is. I don't know how people get satisfaction out of going and like talking shit to other people. It just makes no sense in my head. Cause it's like, if you really don't like them, then why are you wasting the time to tell them you don't like them? It just, it seems so inefficient in my head. See, you use that word and I'm going to be straight. It sounds so lame. Somebody asked me a question. I was like, can you believe that there are people that follow me just to be mean to me? <laughs> can you imagine? That seems <laughs> like, insane. If I don't like somebody or if I don't like believe in their their mission, I don't follow them. If what you post irks my soul, I'm not going to follow you. It's that easy. Yep. And sometimes like I'll be on the explore page and I'll see somebody saying or TikTok and I'll see somebody saying something so outrageous. And I think to myself, oh, let me type out this paragraph. And I'm like, why? <laughs> and I just don't. And I go about my day yeah. like it's that easy. Like you can choose to type out something really, really mean and waste a minute of your life and not get it back. Or you could just move about your day. Like, oh my gosh, I disagree with him. Anyways, scroll. Yeah. Um, because it's it's that it's that easy. But sometimes if I feel like people come on my page, therefore you are in my space. You are in my realm. Um, so sometimes I'll poke the bear back just to get a reaction. That's fair. Um, I'll like use like this last week. Yeah. <laughs> so with that guy in particular, I was like, oh man. I'm about to make second breakfast, but I'm going to go give him that attention he's looking for real quick. And the internet did what the internet did. Um, I simply just told him he was wrong. Now, this man did go and block me because um, that way he could not get any notifications of anybody on my page that was saying anything that he deemed as proven him wrong. Yeah. Right. But I'm like, this all could have been avoided. All of it could have been avoided. But you took all that time to write out some nonsense and then just to try to get me upset. But I'm about to eat again. I'm definitely not upset. I'm definitely looking forward to this food. Um, but go off. <laughs> like, if you think I'm reading that whole paragraph, you're silly. N no, no. Um, but yeah, like if you come on my page and you say something crazy. Now, if it's something like very disrespectful, I just delete it because I don't I don't want to see that. I don't want to read that. And I don't want people, other people that might be struggling to see something like that. Um, so I just swipe delete it again that easy because I'm not going to argue with somebody that's already having a, an opinion on me and I'm not changing their mind. Yeah. Um, but I feel like it's, you know fair game if you like come on my page and do something like that <laughs> yeah i don't know i feel like if you start doing it just on the internet then i feel like it would end up transferring to your own life you know like, like yeah. you know, your actual daily life i i work at a gym right now and mm -hmm. it's like whenever i'm around these people i want to give everyone like fist bumps and high fives and like hey how are y'all like have a good day you know like like put some good vibes into the world and some That's people might right. find it obnoxious at times and they're like oh my god this guy's always talking yeah. but you know what it's better than being the guy that never talks to anybody and just leaves right. and doesn't you know like 
but if I feel like if you continue to practice like talking crap on other people's mm-hmm. on other people's media, then you're most likely going to be that kind of person or have that kind of ments- ma- mindset whenever you're at the grocery store, or whenever you're yeah. at work, right? Like it it dissipates into er- other areas of our life, and then we have the opportunity. You have, you have the opportunity mm-hmm. to make your life better, and so like, why not choose to be more positive? You know. That's right. Like when I go into the gym, um, you know, a lot of people know me there and obviously cause I'm there all the time, but it's, they see me as like a sister to them. Like we're always joking. We're always laughing. Um, but I treat everybody like as their own unique person. So how I treat one person might be a little bit different than how I treat this other person, but it's like, they get, they still get that silly goofy side for me. Um, They know they can come to me about their lives. They know that they can come to me about personal things. And then they also know that I'm probably going to give them some form of silly attitude. Like one guy walks in and he knows immediately when he sees me, I'm going to roll my eyes. I've done that since he had a guest pass at the gym. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, uh, if, if I didn't do that to him now, he would probably ask me what's wrong. Right. So that day, what's, what's going on? (laughs) Like he would probably be like, Heather, like, are you okay? You didn't roll your eyes at me today. Um, I mean, I've had people do that to me before. Like I was busy with somebody and this guy walked in and I didn't greet him with a super big, Hey, so he thought like I was genuinely upset with him. He's like, Hey, is everything okay? I was like, yeah, why? He's like, well, you didn't say hello to me when I walked in. I was like, Oh, (laughs) <laughs> Let's start this all over. Please just leave and walk back. <laughs> um, so it's it's a fun time at our gym. Um, but again, like that same like relationship I have with those people are with it's gonna be the same kind of relationship I have with complete strangers. Like I commented on somebody who goes against me. I commented something positive on their page, and I had people reaching out to me. They're like, God, you like that's your competition. Like you're super nice to them. I was like, yeah, why? <laughs> like, do you want me to be mean to them? That's weird. Yeah. Why would I be mean to some complete stranger? Because these people are going to eventually meet me. Like, why would I set the tone that I'm not an approachable person? Yeah. Right. Um, I just want people to know that when they're around me, they can be themselves, they can be comfortable and just be okay with being who they are without worrying about if somebody's going to judge them in the process. Because like, if you're weird, you're weird. That's cool. Yeah. I like weird people. <laughs> <laughs> we're all, we're all weird. You know? like- like, we're, yeah. We're all a little weird. And like one of my older um, clients, she just started crying the other day. I was like, man, what's wrong? And she said, I have been picked on for being weird my whole life. And here you are embracing it. And I'm like, <laughs> I think you're cool. Like, you know, like you may not fit everybody's, you know, little palette or template that they have set out for themselves. But I mean, again, like everybody's a little weird, you know, I feel like it's so, (laughs) so sad that people get like beat down or or bullied because they're a little weird and they don't fit somebody else's norm, make somebody else feel uncomfortable. And I've definitely experienced that a lot and it's just it's it's unfortunate and it, i feel like it ends up 
dampening that person's ability to grow, right? If they're, if you just like put them in this box and like, oh, you're too weird. You got to stay here because it's more comfortable for me. Then yeah. that person doesn't get to, to flourish and be themselves and to, and to be happy. Like you just okay. like, you're this like toxic person, like batting this other person down. It's like, whoever wants that in their life, you know, it's, it seems so dumb. <laughs> And and I will admit, like in the past, I was that person. I was a very angry person due to, you know, life hit me with a few curveballs and I was like missing every single time, like full swing miss. Um, and it did make me this angry person who it took me a while to realize, like, I do not like this person. This person is ugly on the inside. They are mean. And I can't believe how I'm coming across. Yeah, And I don't know what it was that clicked for me that you need to change right now because this isn't okay. Like these people who you are being mean to are not the reason why you're so angry right now. And it was like that realization. And I just, I stopped. <laughs> it was just like cold Turkey. I just, I stopped being mean because again, like they're, they're not, they have nothing to do with my circumstances. They are just somebody that has walked in on this part of my life and they didn't know what happened before they entered it. Yeah. But why, why do I give myself permission to be mean to them as if they did do something to me? And I, I see that a lot on the internet, just with people being like rude and mean. I'm like, God. I can't imagine just that was me at one point. That was me. And I was like, how did people even talk to me? I think we all, I think we all have those kind of like events in our life. And, and, and I think that it's a, it's possible that it's going to happen again, right? Like you're going to have another curveball that really puts you in a down place. And it challenges you to make the decision to either continue down that path of, of, darkness or whatever like that being rude or making the same being aware and making the change to to not right like some people will experience they they don't they'll notice that they're being rude but then they don't want to do the work to be nice right they 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 right they went through that same thing they just didn't decide to go down uh the alternative route for whatever reason right they they felt it was too far gone whatever may be but in reality like life is is oddly long, but flies quickly. You know, like there's a lot of opportunity to create a lot of experiences, but it does move fast. So, like you, you, there is time to still be kind. There's still time okay. to to change it up a little bit and go back. And not everyone's gonna be okay and say, "Oh, okay, I accept the apology." But it gives like you're gonna meet more people, and then you get to decide on how you come off to them, right? So right. I, I think I've definitely been in that position as well. I remember being, I was bullied for a long time during like elementary mm-hmm. and then I turned like sixth grade and I was like, well, I'm going to be the bully now. And then after <laughs> that, I was like, this isn't fun. You know, like, why am I doing this? And it's not something I'm super proud of, but it's something that I remember. Um, mm-hmm. And it was like, I, I was the nice kid. And so because I was nice, I got bullied and it was like, well, being nice is not okay. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I realized later on, it's like, no, it's just. The, those guys that were that way just weren't my crowd, weren't my group. Um, and I can still be a nice kid, you know? That's right. And I mean, I think the hardest part for people when they are trying to transition from that phase is the accountability part. Like taking accountability for your your own actions and saying, you know what? I was mean. 
I did hurt this person. I did do these ugly things to people. And it's it's hard to accept sometimes. Acceptance is very hard, um, especially when you are struggling. And I know it was hard for me and people that I've spoken to. I know it was also hard for them, um, but it has helped me, the accountability, the responsibility, because I'm the one that chose to do this. And the only way that I'm going to be able to get through all this is just to say, I did this, I've done this, but I'm not going to continue it. You know, I, even now, like, I thought I was doing well. And then here come these curveballs again. These curveballs come and I sit there. I'm like, okay, how's Heather going to handle this one? Because part of me is like, all right, this this is kind of sad. I want to go back into this depressive state real quick. But that depressive state isn't helping me any. Yeah. Um. So like personal life stuff like my dad, like not too long ago, he had a stroke and he's been in and out of the hospital. Um, he's doing better, but he still has things that need act like that we need to actively work on to make sure that it doesn't get worse. And as I'm trying to I'm you like know, grab this dog real quick so he stops barking. I'm sorry. You're okay. Special guest appearance. <laughs> All right, your your dad, sorry. <laughs> yeah. So like having to welcome my dad into my home to where like I'm essentially like his caregiver. And making sure he's getting all of his medicines, which when I say all of his medicines, it was just a lot. (laughs) It was a lot because it wasn't just for the stroke. It was for his heart and everything else under the sun. Um, But I was also meal prepping for him to make sure that he was eating, you know, healthier foods. Because honestly, you can't live off of Domino's and Bojangles all your life. (laughs) It's just Bojangles is like a fast food um, chicken place. For those that don't know, but, um, you know, those are my dad, my dad loves that. Um, and some people will be like, well, where's your mom? Cause they don't know. And I'm like, well, my mom has neurological issues. So it's not like half, half the conversations that her and I have, she doesn't remember 30 minutes later. Gosh. So here's this. And then here's this. And then just the other day, I don't get on Facebook a lot. I get on Facebook to make sure my family's doing good. But then I see this, you know, between like mutual friends, I see a post and I just see all these sad faces and I'm like, what is, what is this? So like I screenshot it and I sent it to the girl that made the post and I was like, so-and-so like, why are these sad faces here? And she's telling me that, you know, this girl passed away. And I was like, I just, I just saw her family in the hospital. I just saw her family. Like this wasn't like nothing like, and it made me like, just rethink like this just happened so fast. Like I was just there. I was just talking to them, but you know, life happens quick. And you know, it, it came to a point where I'm like, boom, boom, boom. And I don't think the passing of her has really hit me as hard as it might later but I'm also taking those steps to make sure that when it does I'm going to be okay if my dad gets thrown a curveball and I have to take other measures it's going to be okay 
like my mom, same situation. Um, but that's typically where people will just like distance themselves and they'll just be very sad. And it's okay to be sad about those things. I don't want people to think that feeling sad is bad. Like those are emotions that you're supposed to feel. Um, but it's okay to feel them and then tell them to leave. Because if you keep holding on to them, you're not allowing yourself to feel the other emotions that come after it. Like I could sit here and be sad about my friend passing away, or I could think about all these like wonderful times that we had together. Right. And I'd much rather do that than to dwell on what is. Um, Cause it's, it's very unfortunate. Um, and she will be greatly missed. And I give all my condolences to her family and her friends, but that's, that's not something I was expecting this week. <laughs> right. Yeah. It wasn't <laughs> like, I, I know this part's happening, but you know, and, th- but that's life, right? It comes at you so quick. And are you going to be ready when it hits you? Like I still have my everyday life. I have to go about, I still got to wake up at three 30 in the morning and go see some people before PT or before they go to work and make sure that I'm giving my whole self to them. Because again, they are not the reason for my circumstances right now. So I'll still go in and I'll still smile and I'll laugh with them. But that's also hard. It's hard not walking in, which is this sad look. And, you know, because you're the one that's setting the tone for this session about to happen. And if you're sad and you look mad, that client or athlete is probably going to fill off that energy. And they might yeah. not have a good session or it's possibly that possible that you could have probably just canceled that session or rescheduled it because you have to say, you know what, today has been not the best. I'm going to have to reschedule you because you still got to show up for these people. You still got to show up for yourself because, you know, it's life don't stop just because it did for somebody else. You, you got to keep going. And, you know, it's again, it's accountability. It's responsibility that I'm an adult. <laughs> I got things I still got to do, but I'm also going to take time to make sure mentally and emotionally and physically, I am okay too. Um, doing that, that work to prepare yourself to, to be okay is the, I think is the, the difference. You're not, it's not that you're just living your life. And then when thing, when something comes up, it's like, Oh my God. Right. It's <laughs> like, you're taking care of your sleep. You're taking care of your diet. You're, you're working out. You're having a good community around you. All these other little things that help support those hard times so that you do have something to fall back on. That might be a job. That might be your training. That might be a couple of friends. Like you have all these different resources to pull from that allow you to be okay. By the time you get there, reading books on, on emotional mm-hmm. maturity and how do you, how do you deal with sadness? And, and I, I've been, um, I've been in and out of therapy for probably like nine years now mm-hmm. and like going through working with somebody and through, through those hard times, giving like you work on these tools or these, these ways to, to deal with things. Um, it allows you whenever there's something maybe similar, but not exactly that comes up. I'm prepared for that. 
thing, mm-hmm. right? Like I've done the work beforehand. So by the time I get there, it's not as hard. I think the same thing with like lifting. I think lifting, it's it's odd because it's, I think it transfers to so many different areas. Like if you're mm-hmm. doing all the, like like I said, the mobility, the the recovery, the the right programming. By the time you get to the event day, um, then you can perform. By the time you get to that hard time, you mm-hmm. can quote unquote perform. Right? Um, it's I think it's a really cool representation of life. Yeah, I mean, like when my when I first found out that my dad had a stroke, right? Like you hear the word stroke and you already have a visualization in your head, like. Okay, so he's probably paralyzed on one side because yeah. that's what we think. That's, I mean, that's what I thought. I mean, yeah. this was like almost four o'clock in the morning when I got this really bizarre text from my dad. I'm like, first off, why is he up? <laughs> Nobody is up at this ungodly hour with me. And so I called him. I was like, hey, um, that text didn't make any sense. And his speech was very slurred. And I could not make out anything he was saying besides ER, um, stroke. Wow. So I just, I rushed, got dressed, um, threw on the first thing I saw. So Lord help me when I got to that hospital. (laughs) (laughs) So I just remember like I jumped in my car and I called my sister who was a little bit closer than I was. And, you know, I hate calling people so early in the morning, but you always know if you get a very early phone call, something is wrong. Right. So I call her and I was like, hey, I need you to get to the hospital. Something happened to daddy. And she's like, well, what do you mean? I said, get to the hospital. (laughs) And I don't got time to answer questions. I'm about 40 minutes away right now. Damn. Right. So she's about 10 minutes. I'm about 40 minutes. I need you to get there. Yeah. Um, so she she gets there. Um, I meet her, and I knew I was going to be the first one to see my dad. So in my head, I'm already telling myself, "This is what you need to expect." You know, just go ahead and prepare yourself that he might not look normal, or I don't want to say normal, but what you're used to seeing. Yeah. Right. Um, I want to be very careful with how I just vocalize that because normal is different for a lot of people. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to make sure that I prepared myself that in case he didn't look familiar to me um, and what was to come from this. And my sister, she's already crying. She's <laughs> and that's OK. Yeah. But at that point, like I couldn't I couldn't deal with her crying. She's a little bit older than me, but she also um, she she does her best to take care of everybody. So when I got back there. And I was able to see my dad. I opened the door and I said, well, what you doing, old man? <laughs> you know, just to kind of lighten the mood. And he just immediately starts crying. And I'm like, no, am I crying? Like, if I'm not crying, why are you crying? Um, but my dad, anybody that meets my dad knows he's this, this overwhelmingly sweet man who will tell you how great I am. <laughs> <laughs> but he's just, he's a sweetheart. And he's so worried about me and my sister all the time. He's, I think in his head that he, he saw himself as less than a hero to us. Um, and thankfully, and, you know, very fortunately for him, the stroke was on the other side of the brain. So he didn't have any, you know, facial impairment, anything like that. 
um, and slowly his speech started coming back. But it also allowed us to know that he was going through AFib, which is a heart irregularity, um, to where his heart rate would go from like 60 and then jump all the way to 165. Damn. Back and forth. So obviously we had to get that under control. Um, But we didn't also know that he was ever had AFib. When the doctor asked me if he ever had heart condition, I'm like, no. You know, if I look back at my medical records, when it comes to family history, I've never, (laughs) I've never marked heart condition. But, you know, while this may be a bad circumstance I'm going through right now, it's also allowing me to know, okay, so I do have a family history of this. Right. Um, So, I mean, he, he's fine. Well, fine. He is definitely learning a lot during this process. Um, He had to be on like a low sodium diet. Nice. So he he didn't realize how much sodium was like actually in food. And I had made him this like big grilled chicken salad. And we were sitting in my backyard and he was eating it. And he for real said to me, and he was, he won't kid. He said, so uh, what do you think about me ordering us a pizza tonight? And I was like, oh, no, sir. <laughs> do, do you remember the low sodium thing we were supposed to be doing? <laughs> I was like, um, pizza sounds so good. I, I get it that you want that more than this salad right now. But that has a lot of sodium in it. And you can, he's like, well, what do you mean it has sodium in it? He didn't know. Wow. He did not know. So when we went grocery shopping, I had him start looking at nutrition labels and seeing how much sodium was in certain items because I'm like, all right, you need to stay under this amount. And so even like looking at deli meat, he was just in awe. He's like, I, I never knew this. I'm like, yeah. And just imagine how big your sandwiches are that you make. (laughs) Like that's it. There's your sodium for the day. Um, so like it's, I think that's why I like my job because I'm able to not just help, you know, people that come and work with me, but also able to help my family because like my dad, he didn't know. And a lot of people just don't know. Yeah. And it's putting me in a position to where I can help somebody live a healthier life. And now my dad has tried all these new restaurants. He's tried all this new food. And, um, I don't think he orders Domino's every other day. <laughs> Not to my knowledge, he has not, um, but way better than hospital food. Needless to say, he still hates it. Um, it's just not cooked right, apparently. It never will be. The hospital um, food? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, makes sense. I believe that. So, um, you know, it was it was probably hard for him having to live with me, knowing that I get up early, like, oh, you're on my time now. Yeah. And he, his routine was just... He got up at 5.30 and he had breakfast waiting for him. I made sure he took all of his pills and then he could go about his merry way until lunchtime. <laughs> but um, I even took him to the gym with me so he could meet everybody and everybody was just so welcoming to him. That's cool. Because how I'm nice to everybody, like everybody's generally nice at the gym. I probably would never want to be on their bad side, but the majority of them are just very genuine people and they just made him feel like, He's been going to that gym his whole life. Like he was just another, essentially family member of the gym. 
So it made me feel good because that's the kind of people that we have at our facility. But it also made me feel good that my dad felt so welcome. Um, And it's that's just a reward in itself. An important time to need a community and and your community kind of was already there and stepped up, right? Like, yeah, it's where do where do you train? What's the name of the gym? Lion's Den Powerhouse Gym. Lion's Den Powerhouse Gym. Yeah, both the uh, both owners, they're married. They are both retired um, Army, Air Force. I don't want to give out too many. Like some people will know the names that I'm talking about. Like if you're in the military, like you'll know what it is. Yeah. Like, so um, they're in a they were in a special group called JSOC. Um, yeah. So they retired from that, and I've known them for years. Like they are what I would consider like a second family to me. And um, you know, they just I mean, I even got this woman a Mother's Day gift. <laughs> so if she listens to this. Oops, but um, <laughs> because that's that's what they've been for me this entire time. Um, and since 2015, so for some years now, um, and they just, they embody how their facility is. I mean, they're, they're genuine people. They would give the shirt off their back if you needed it. And so anybody that comes into this facility, they feel that. And the first thing that they always say is like, it's a family here. Um, and our motto is if you don't fit in here, you'll, you'll end up leaving. It's not for everybody, but. Um, we like to think that the good stay. And then some people who have to PCS as in like leave for another military base or they're getting out of the army. Um, you know, some of them have a difficult time leaving because they're like, I'm not going to find <laughs> another gym community like this who just are so supportive and helpful and just generally caring for their members. So is, shout out is, to them. Yeah. Hell yeah. Shout out to the lines <laughs> done. That's yeah. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> Is this where you started to to lift? Like, is this where you started to learn how to power lift? No, no, it wasn't where I started to power lift. But in 2015 at, no, 2016 at Raw Nationals in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, uh, the owner came up to me and he's a talker and he's a good talker. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, he could sell poop to a fly. I'm telling you. <laughs> he was like, he came up to me. And I was like speaking to my sponsors. He's like, Heather, I got to tell you about this. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> Get away from me. And he's like, no, no, no. like, I need you to listen to this. And it only got a little bit weirder for me because he was like, I know that you live in the area where I'm building a gym. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like okay, I need you to get away from me like right now. <laughs> like I'm going to call the cops or something, but little did I know he's, way more powerful than the cops. <laughs> so, um, so, cause he was still involved in the military at that point. So calling the cops was doing nothing for him. Um, <laughs> so he's like, no, listen, like I I'm building a powerlifting gym and I want you to be part of it. Like, and he was just telling me his vision. I'm like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. Like just keep me posted. Yeah. Obviously, you know where I live. So, <laughs> keep me posted. so like a year goes by. And he finds me outside of a nail salon. Weird. (laughs) And he's like, hey, I just wanted to update you on the gym. And I was like, all right, cool. (laughs) So like he would message me or he would just tell me about this gym and his vision. His vision never changed. Never once did it change. 
So then um, 2019, like 2018, 2019 rolls in and the gym does like a soft opening and it was wonderful. And that is what helped me uh, prepare myself for 2019 Worlds in uh, Helsingborg, Sweden, where I ended up winning. But I do truly believe that it helped me a lot to have that specialty equipment, like the kilo plates, the competition bars, the rags, all of it. That definitely helped me out a lot. Um, But just to see how this facility has grown from just, it used to be a car shop owned by his dad, right? Wow. We got an upper level and a bottom level. And at this point, it was only the upper level that was being used. During COVID, when everybody had to be quarantined, they were actively working downstairs to make sure that they could have this become the gym as well. Um, And that's where you'll see like a lot of tactical training going on is downstairs um, with like way more specialty equipment than you would find in the per se powerlifting area of the gym. Um, But just to see how things have progressed from 2015, 2016, all the way now to 2023. And they're still not done. Like they're still expanding on this because they want to provide a facility that welcomes everybody. The power lifters, the strong man, the bodybuilders, like all walks of the fitness industry, just in this one building. And he does a great job. Like, but for me, like the one of the first things I ever told him was like, because he said, well, what do you think about this monthly price? And I'm like, I think it's really cheap. It's really cheap. <laughs> this is a 24-hour facility with all this crazy equipment. You have a sauna. You have an ice bath. You have this, that, all this recovery. He was like, well, I don't care about the money. I was like, okay. He said, all right. he's like, my job is to serve people. He's like, it's to serve my community. And you can't really put a price on that. He's like, I don't need the money that bad. And I was like... He said, all I need is money to keep the lights on. <laughs> and that's that's what he does. And he's had so many people coming in and out of this facility because they just, it's a good price. It's, they can access it at any time. Like, I mean, people work different shifts. So sometimes they'll come in at two o'clock, but you can't just walk in. Like you have to have like a um, an app on your phone that will unlock the door because he does believe in the safety of his members as well. Um, So it's, he wanted them to make sure that when they were in the gym, no matter what time it was, that you were going to be safe at all times. It also helps that he he lives like right across the street. That's helpful. helpful. (laughs) In case anything crazy happens. (laughs) He's prepared. He is prepared. And I've always said like, this probably wouldn't be the gym that you would want to start things at because uh, the people that go to this gym again, like 90% of them are all military. Like you, you could try it. I just highly wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> you'll probably end up in the woods somewhere. Like you never be found. <laughs> Nobody knows about where you went. No. So, <laughs> uh, we do joke about that a lot. Like, man, I would hate for something to break loose in this gym. <laughs> so, that, yeah. That would not be good. No, but um, it's just, they're very, they're, they are very big. Um, they're very big in their faith and they're not ones to push that on the people, which I like. Um, I don't like to push anything on people because I sin daily. Um, I make that well known, but if there was going to be somebody to embody it, it would be them. 
because they believe that, you know, everything that they're doing is for a purpose. And I feel like they have served not just this facility, but their community very well. So again, like shout out to them, Mitch and Amy, like awesome people. <laughs> so um, I, I owe them a lot for sure. For sure. I love going. I like to, whenever I do travel, I like to go to gyms in that area. I just, mm-hmm. I usually Google like best gyms. So I'm ever in the North Carolina area. I'm going to have to make my way out to the live. Yeah, go. That'd be cool. <laughs> I think it's the strongest gym in North Carolina. Um, I, I might be biased, but that's <laughs> <what I feel. laughs> um, but no, like if you came, like you would be welcome with open arms. That's cool. Mitch would probably talk your ear off again. He could sell poop to a fly. But <laughs> I like I like the talking. Obviously, I mean, I have a yeah. I have a podcast. This is my whole this is my whole jam. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm going to get a little bit more into the powerlifting stuff. If you don't mm-hmm. mind? Um, yeah. Do you have a time limit? No. Uh, let's see. No, you're good. Cool. Um, so when did you start in the sport? Sport specifically with powerlifting, I started um, in 2015. <laughs> and then, di- so then, did you? Um, what sports did you compete in before powerlifting? So before it was soccer, basketball, track, cheerleading, gymnastics. All of them. All of them. My dad was like one of the most well-known coaches around the area. So it was kind of like I was being pushed into sports. I'd be weird if I wasn't. <laughs> nice. That's cool. Yeah. And so why did you? Why, how did you find powerlifting and why did you choose that sport to focus in? So I was in college and... I I went to the YMCA just to kind of, I just wanted to stay toned, you know? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Y'all, I was, I won't, I won't ever forget this. I was walking on the treadmill, you know, being. (laughs) Inclined walk on the treadmill. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was going to make sure I was summer ready. That was me. (laughs) Um, And this pastor walked up to me and he was the talker in the gym. He, I think he did not do a single workout. His <laughs> workout was talking to everybody. How many people? <laughs> um, so he came up to me and I was just, you know, I'm going to talk back because I'm a nice person. But he was like, yeah, like we have this powerlifting team and one person had a, they, they just couldn't do it anymore. So we need another person for our team. He's like, would you be interested? I was like, Sure. I didn't know anything about this. <laughs> I just knew like, okay, squat, bench, deadlift. Um, I don't even know what a deadlift is. That's cool. Nice. Um, and I just knew that I was supposed to hit the biggest number, I guess. That's <laughs> so that's cool. all I focused on. Didn't have a training program. None of that. I was wearing those five toe shoes because, um, <laughs> right. I mean, I don't even know how to explain that one, but <laughs> because just because <laughs> <Just because. laughs> I thought they were cool. Um, but yeah, so I, I learned what a deadlift was. And then this guy comes up to me. He's like, Hey, have you ever done a sumo deadlift? And I'm like, listen, I just, <laughs> I, I just today figured out what a deadlift was in itself. <laughs> so he's like, show me these things. And I was, you Oh my God, I was using all that. Like if I look back at some of these videos, I'm like, whoo, how did I even make it this far? <laughs> I kind of broke my back then. But, um, you know, like I didn't know commands. Again, I just knew I was supposed to lift the most amount of weight. So that's what I worked on. No training program, lift the most amount of weight. I'm good. 
So the competition comes around. And mind you, at any point, somebody on this team could have informed me of anything. I didn't even know how to weigh in. I didn't know there was like classes. (laughs) Nice. So I was eating Waffle House and everything before weigh-ins. And I even weighed in like I was that person. I came wearing my singlet. I came wearing some pants. <laughs> I remember it like it's ready to go. Like I was ready to go. <laughs> I was ready to pick up weight and leave because that's what powerlifting is. <laughs> um, eat afterwards. <laughs> yeah, and I and I ended up weighing into the fifty-two kilo class. I'm like, dang, I, okay, whatever. And like I didn't know. Um, yeah. Just like even the woman that was doing weigh-ins, are like, are you gonna weigh in like that? I'm like, yeah, why? so she's like oh okay like whatever so um yeah like squats went okay i didn't have a belt didn't have knee sleeves wrist wraps like i wore deadlift socks the whole time because i'm nice (laughs) so here comes bench and it was during squats that i realized that there are commands to this (laughs) yeah I was like, man, I'm going to, uh-oh. Um, so bench comes around, still don't know the commands. And here I am. I go to do my opening attempt. Don't listen to the commands. And I get up and they're like red lights. I'm like, for what? And they're like, oh, you got to listen to the commands. So I go over to the attempt table of the attempt, like the audacity of me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I up the attempt because I'm like, I got it. I, I got it. What's a pause? Yeah, for real. So, yeah, for real. What is a pause? Because I found out really quick on that second attempt what a freaking pause was. And um, it was 143 pounds. Didn't budge. Not even a little bit did it budge off my chest. Damn. So going for my third attempt, I went to that table and I did not up it. I was like, I think I'm just going to keep this one. (laughs) They're like, yes, you are, sweetie. (laughs) Probably keep this number. (laughs) So here I am thinking like, man, what can I do to make sure I get this bench? So here I am doing push-ups. Probably <laughs> fatiguing the like, I'm like, ready. I'm ready for this third attempt. And I fail. <laughs> At this point, I didn't know the term bombing out, but that is what I just did. Nice. I bombed out. And I'm like, well, um, I can still get the state record in deadlift. Because you know I already looked up that. <laughs> and they're like, no, you can't, Heather. I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, well, now you're disqualified. I'm like, no, I'm not. And they're like, yes, you are. And I'm like, no, no. Y'all and I was trying understand. not to cry. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, my dad was there. My grandma, who didn't want me to do this, was there. Uh, my mom. So, like, now, like, I'm kind of getting embarrassed. And I'm like, well, I'm still going to deadlift. And I did. and. It would have been a state record um, because those are cool. Um, but then I realized, like, I wasn't even going to get a, a participation medal. <laughs> like, no, Heather, I need you to understand, like, you're not you're not getting anything. So then I started crying. <laughs> and my dad took me to Outback and was like, um, and I, like, how embarrassing. Like, I'm crying at Outback. I know that probably made the waitress so uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> but just like, listen, you can keep crying right now, or you can just do another one and figure out the rules. Yep. And I was like, yeah, I can do that. And so I signed up for one immediately and got put on the wait list. And, like, 
two weeks before the competition, I got moved off of that wait list. Nice. I was like, wow, wow I'm so scared. Like I was training as if I was going to compete at this one anyways, just in case. But yeah, I was like super nervous. Um, I was still a junior at the time. So I'm like, what if, what if I didn't learn the rules enough? Cause I mean, I left that gym. I was so upset with them. Like, why would y'all are so rude? Um, <laughs> <laughs> joined like a little gym where my coach was a bodybuilder. So kind of was going on the right track. Kind of. Yeah. Um, so I competed at that one, ended up going nine for nine breaking every junior American record. I was like, man, I'm pretty okay at this. Second meet. Yeah, second meet. And That's then the, the very next one, I was in the open and then broke every open American record. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to keep going with this. Damn, and dude. I around, I placed second. Um, and I was like, well, that was cool. But then I got invited to Worlds. Like somebody ended up like not being able to go. And then I was selected and I was like, wow, this is way cool. And it was in Killeen, Texas. Nice. <laughs> um, so I ended Maybe up not the like, best place to go for worlds, but. <laughs> I agree with that. So I ended up placing second at my first worlds. And I actually pulled my third attempt to try to win first. I was already secured second anyways. Um, but that was so surreal. I was like, wow, this is, look at me go. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And I remember like SBD had reached out to us, to the USA team. And they're like, this is when SBD was first coming out with their belts. Wow. They're like, hey, come to the table um, and get a belt. And I was like, okay, cool. And then I got up there and I got nervous and just turned around, left, didn't get a belt. <laughs> what? And I need to say I was wearing a belt that was two sizes too big. So it kind of like overlapped on me Yeah, and I could have had a cool belt then. <laughs> and it wasn't until like after worlds where like one of SBD like affiliates were like, Heather, why are you still wearing that belt? Is something wrong with yours? I'm like, Oh, I, I didn't get it. And they're like, <laughs> why did you get it? I was like, I have social anxiety. What do you mean? I was like, I got nervous and I left. So they ended up sending me a belt. <laughs> nice. um, and I've used that belt. Like I, I've gotten um, other belts that have been released by them, but I've always just used that very first one that I've gotten. Um, Cause I, just, I like it. It's already broken in. Um, it works well for me, but yeah. So from bombing out to winning world titles and breaking some world records, shout out to Scott for teaching me sumo, right? <laughs> Dude, what a crazy <laughs> turn of events. I mean, to I just start. I still reach out. His name's Scott Taylor. And I still reach out to him and be like, remember when you taught me sumo? <laughs> like, <laughs> I own these world records because of you. <laughs> That's insane. I mean, you have what an ins like to see that amount of success that quickly mm -hmm. is really cool yeah. and really rare. Yeah. And like people will ask me, they're like, were you always just good? I was like, no, I bombed out. And I'll just like straight up laugh about it because it's funny now because it's it does suck when you don't perform well. It really does. Yeah. Like I did it. Girl, boy, I've been there. I know what you're feeling right now. I've been there plenty of times, 
but it does get better. Yeah. You just got to, again, it all flows back to taking the accountability. I took accountability and was like, man, I better learn these commands <laughs> or I'm going to keep bombing out and that's going to be my specialty. But, right. um, you know, it's it's not where you start at, but it's how you progress each time. Like you're still moving forward. Like you're still crushing it. Like it's not going to be every day that you're hitting PRs, but you're still doing good. <laughs> so. And I think that not, not all my listeners are lifters, right? I interview a lot of like business owners and a lot of entrepreneurs and stuff. Um, and so I think I, again, I think it transfers over to like even right, like even the, even this podcast, right? It's like, mm-hmm. if you go back to the first episode, it sounds like shit. Like it is a terrible quality, but <laughs> every single one continues to get better and better. And, and, that it's as long as you continue to to move forward in the thing that you're attempting, you're only going to progress. Like it's right. the the more time you spend, the better you're going to get. Like it's that simple. It's literally that simple. Like I think people overcomplicate it. I mean, there's a there's a few. I'm not going to say there's a few. There is one woman at the gym. Man, she is she is a fireball. And when she don't hit something, she'll get so mad. And she'll look at me like, "Why am I not hitting it?" I'm like, "Man." Baby, you're going to be disappointed a lot in this sport. <laughs> if you're mad right now, uh, let me let, sit down right beside me. Let me tell you how mad you're about to get. <laughs> I, I got to keep reminding some people that, I mean, this is like a roller coaster. There's going to be highs and there's going to be lows. And you're not going to come in here every day being your best. I got to go train later and it might go good. It might not. <laughs> but it's going to be all right. Um, because that happens sometimes yeah. and, uh, she just, cause like for the majority of the people at that power lift at the gym, I do do their programming while they have a coach that guides them through it. Right. Nice. Um, so when she gets mad, I'm like, all right, what's wrong? What happened? And she's, she's explaining everything. And I'm like, okay, got you. So then I'm doing her program for the next week. And then the week after that, all of a sudden her lifts are going exactly the way that she needs it. And she's so happy and she's so this. And I'm like, all right, like you see how happy you are? Like, I just need you to understand that there might come a day where you're about to be really mad again. It's going to come back. I promise you. It's going to come back. I was like, but you need to be prepared for that. Um, But she's just, she's like everybody. They just want to be great. You just want to be great at what you're doing. You want to have fun with what you're doing. And Again, it sucks when you when you go for a big lift and you don't hit it. And but I mean, just give yourself about a few weeks; it'll probably be there. Yeah, probably, I'd, maybe, maybe, maybe not always, <laughs> right? Not always, but maybe. maybe. <laughs> just just continue to think maybe like three weeks in advance, and you just yeah. that'll keep you going for the next three x weeks, That's right? Right. <laughs> right. I always say probably, maybe, and they're like, "Well, what does that mean?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> exactly that. <laughs> yeah. How do you write your programming? Do you use like a specific type of um method of of program? No, like I I'm like one of those nerds that uses spreadsheets. Nice. And for me, like I take their current one rent maxes and I do base it off of RPEs and percentages. Now, if they are somebody that struggles with RPE, then I only make them percentages. Because what I don't want to happen is them overshoot all the time. 
Um, like undershooting, I'm a little bit okay with, but when you overshoot all the time, it's probably not going to end up well. I mean, that's common knowledge. Yeah. Um, so it's all based around when their next competition is or what their specific goals are. Um, so right now I have a few people that are competing um, in June. So, yes. you know, their programs based off of that right now, like we're about to finish off this strength phase to where um, they're going to start going into a different phase to where they're going to really test their true strength. Right. Some of my athletes that are competing in two weeks, um, they're about to start tapering here soon. And I know, I know they're looking forward to it because they're peaking right now. And I, I'm their main target. They're fatigued. They're sore. The weight feels heavy. (laughs) And I am just in that line of fire for them. But I'm like, Hey, you know what? This is, totally normal like remember your last competition when you felt this way and i had to remind you like all oh, that's normal fatigue is normal it'll go away in a little bit so this go around they're pretty okay with it but it's just based off of um again like what their specific goals are or when that competition is so they can perform to the best of their abilities i do like to keep them in that strength or the hypertrophic phase for a little bit just so they can start building that muscle. Um, some of them also go into the nutrition phase with me to where um, we kind of like up their calories some so they can build more of that muscle and then cut them right before the competition to where they're not losing as much because those go hand in hand. Yeah. Um, nutrition and performance are super vital together. So if like one's off, your performance may not be as great as you would want it to be. Um, so there's a lot of factors that go into it, depending on what their specific goals are, but typically it's RPEs percentage based. Um, but there are some people that just, I don't know what an RPE is. I don't know what RPE eight stands for. Like I need percents. I'm like, cool. But I typically will find what their weaknesses are and target that heavily while then taking their strengths and focusing on making those just a little bit stronger to where their confidence and like. For me, bench was like, I had such low confidence in that. But now every training session, I'm benching, which now I've, mm, let me be careful about this. I almost said what uh, my PR was and I'm trying to keep all of that like quiet. I've added a significant amount of kilos to where typically with competition, that's where most people would get a lot of kilos on me. But now that it's leveled, like, uh oh. It's a good <laughs> like place the to person be. That you didn't think was going to get good at bench is now actually really good at bench. So um, that's, that's going to help a lot leading to worlds. But that's also what I do for athletes as well. And for me, I do it week by week. I don't, a lot of people do it monthly and that's fine. But for me, if, because I do um, work with like, soldiers and stuff like that like sometimes like with how their workload is i have to change up that program and it's not going to look the same week by week so i will have to know their schedule or know when they have a pt test coming up or you know there's a lot that goes into it um just to make sure that okay so you have a 12 mile ruck that you're about to do let's probably not squat um, that day yeah. Or the day before, because you ain't going to do so good. And then I'm going to hear about it. So I will 
get their schedule when it comes to that. And that's always subject to change, of course, but we just imagine that it doesn't. And then I formulate their program week by week based off of that. Um, and then for people with like regular everyday jobs, they just come in and do what's recommended for them. I typically will have them squatting and benching on the same days. I'm not a fan of SBD days because for me, I feel like that can happen a little bit closer to competition. But for a lot of people that I have noticed, it just fatigues them a lot to where they don't do as well leading into the oncoming days. Um, some people don't do well with volume. That's okay. We'll take it out of your main lifts and then we'll focus on that accessories. Um, you know, for me, I didn't do well with AMRAPs. Um, I would do great like on a squat AMRAP, but then the next day I was toast. Like it would probably take me two days to recover from things like that. And so that stuff that I try to really like look at when it comes to my athletes, whether they're online or face-to-face, what works well for them and what doesn't. And if it's not working well for them, I'm going to change it up that next week. Or if they tell me, hey, um, I'm having this problem with my adductor. Okay, that following week, you're probably going to see things that are going to engage that adductor some. So it's that's just my method. It's a method. It's not the method, of course. Um, but different coaches have different ways of approaching things. But um, in the sport, you're very prone to injuries, um, especially if you know you're you're over fatigue in areas or you're frying your CNS a lot. So I also like to be educated on. Okay, so you got hurt. How can we fix this? I've done that for a lot of clients and it wasn't at a client that was doing strong man on the side and it was strong man that was hurting her. But I was the one that was having to create a program that would fix her. I'm like, man, why don't you talk to the strong man guy? He's the one that did it. Like, hey, he did it. Why, why isn't he the one fixing this problem? But, um, you know, like it, it happens. And I told her, I said, listen, You've gotten hurt doing strongman twice now. I'm about to ban you from doing strongman. <laughs> um, because, you know, I'm not going to say you need to only commit to this, right? Or, you know, you're not serious enough. Well, she, she still was committed to powerlifting. Yeah. And she ended up competing and going nine for nine and doing extremely well. But it took having to just, again, I wouldn't have been able to do this if it was a month by month thing. So I just, that following week and the week after, I would say to her like, all right, how did everything feel? Communication's key during these times. And not just while you're injured, but when you're not injured as well. And I feel like people don't understand the communication process a lot. Communication is going to be what helps this person be successful. Like you have to be willing to communicate. That is your job as a coach is to be a good communicator. And that's your job as an athlete to do that as well. And I feel like the way I communicated with this athlete is why they did so well in their competition because she, it was something with her leg to where I had her doing like high box squats, high block pulls because the range of motion was very limited. So each week I'd be like, all right, how did everything feel? Okay. Let me just bump this box down some. So we were increasing that range of motion. And if she said, oh, that kind of felt a little iffy. Well, it didn't change the following week, but it wasn't until she said everything's at like a, a one out of five. Okay. Let's see what we can do without these boxes. 
And it's, you got to be careful. Like you don't want to make the injury worse, but you also want to keep building the confidence of that lifter because they have a competition coming up and you don't want them to feel like, oh, I'm injured. I can't do this. Hmm. So barbell rehab does, um, they do some seminars, like they'll come around to different gyms and they did one at our gym to where um, I was part of it. It was very informative, very informative. Um, highly recommend it. I think their Instagram name is Barbell Rehab. Cool. Um, but it just showed you ways to help these athletes if they did come to you with an injury or if they got injured in the process and what you could do to kind of help them through that. So it's a lot. <laughs> it is a lot, but I think that there are so many nuances between coaches, but ultimately I think that you're, you're hundred percent on the dot. It's the communication between athlete and coach. Yeah. It's cause you might have a di- like I might want to do, you know, my last heavy squat bench deadlift mm-hmm. five days out. Will you like them four days out? Right. Like it, 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 it doesn't, my preference doesn't necessarily matter. It depends on what the what works for the athlete. Like, it, does the athlete like five days out? Does do they feel primed five, four, three days out? When do they like to take theirs? And I can recommend things, and they can use a a base level of knowledge that I've acquired through an undergrad or, or my master's or whatever. Through all the other certifications and books and right. readings and all these other things. But ultimately, what it's going to come down to is how does this athlete's physiology or central nervous system perform mm-hmm. the best? And right. so paying attention to that and over a long period of time, which I think that not everybody always understands, like it's going to take – sometimes it takes some people months of understanding. Sometimes it takes years. It's just like – but you can't go to a coach and expect an instant understanding and, and immediate results. You can – you might be able to see some results, especially as a new athlete, but it it comes down to, can we communicate and keep good, healthy communication over a long period of time? Right. And, you know, even when I send them their attempt selection, you know, I have, this is what I want you to hit. If something feels off, we'll go with this number. Or if something's moving really fast, let's go for this. Like they have their options and she gets her openers and she's like, Oh, this, this scares me. I was like, well, why? And she's like, oh, I've I've never opened this high. I was like, okay, well you are this time. And she's like, are you sure? I was like, listen, I have watched all of your training videos that you have ever sent me. Like I'm comfortable with you hitting this unless there is some secret that you are not telling me that you dropped like 20 pounds overnight. Then, Cause some athletes don't tell you that kind of stuff. (laughs) But my athletes, like I let them know like three weeks in advance, if there is anything that you need to tell me, now is the time you need to tell me this. Um, I wasn't too worried about her, but um, I did make her feel comfortable. I said, listen, I know that this is something that you can hit very easily. Now, if during warmups, something feels off, please feel free to change it. Change it. Like, it's okay. It's not going to hurt my feelings, but all these numbers are based off of what's going to set you up for a great day. And sure enough, like, I mean, it doesn't matter where the athlete is. If it's not live streamed, I'm going to watch the lifting cast. I have been up in an airplane watching somebody compete just to make sure like, okay, let's see how things are going. But that's me as a coach. Some coaches, they don't, they don't have the time for that. But for me and the number of athletes that I have, it allows me to be that kind of coach, uh, to be there for them in the way that 
they would, I, I can be there in the way that I told them I would be right. Um, I think a lot of coaches make promises and then they fall a little bit short of it. Um, but I mean, they also take on probably too many athletes (laughs) and it's, it's harder to do that. The more that you take on, especially if you're doing it by yourself. So I don't ever want to feel like I'm not giving another athlete like more attention than another one, right? I want to treat them all the same regardless of their level in the sport. But for her, like she trusted the process and, you know, she she looked at me and she said, these numbers were like spot on. I was like, <laughs> I, know. I know what I'm doing or something. It's crazy, right? <laughs> it's crazy that I know what you can hit. <laughs> um, but it, you know, it's, it's very fun for me. I love seeing their faces light up when they hit those new PRs, as I'm sure any other coach would feel. Um, so it's, it's really enjoyable. It's like such a fun thing for me just to see people be great. <laughs> it's, it's cool watching other people be, be great. That's for, for yeah. sure. I have a couple questions and then we're going to go ahead and, and, and call it. Um, <laughs> what's been your favorite competition that you've ever done either venue or like the seat like just the the environment whatever it may have been or those could be different answers but what has been one of your like highlights in your career um i would i would say 2018 arnold sports festival Ooh, that was oh yeah okay why um so that was the first competition where i hit over three times a bodyweight squat um, that was the first time I hit four times body weight deadlift um, and became pound for pound in that moment, pound for pound strongest woman in the IPF. <laughs> like that was very surreal. Um, I was only 97 pounds, 97 pounds. <laughs> that. And, like people were trying to like really emphasize like, Heather, this is what you did. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, it just hadn't settled for me. I was like, wow, that's, that's really cool. And then I left. <laughs> you know, that social anxiety got in real quick and I'm like, nice. Anyways, I'm going to go now. <laughs> now I need a beer. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs> so that was, it was really fun. I mean, the, the environment was really cool. It always is at the Arnold and um, I was just with my new coach. And so that was a, a good way to start coach athlete yeah <laughs> so who is your coach um right now it's kedrick with performance training um i got with him very recently he was my nutritionist um nice. after some health issues um i knew that i needed a professional to work with me because while i i do know the basics i know how to get you where you need to be when it comes to certain things, I do know that there are people that are more educated than me and I need them by my side. <laughs> oh yeah. So, um, it just became a little bit easier for me when, um, going to find a new powerlifting coach, like who would help me. And I was like, you know what? You're my nutritionist. You're doing great at this. You're crushing it. Now you have upgraded to my coach. He's like, gee, <laughs> <laughs> but like we have such a good coach athlete relationship. Um, he's probably wondering why I'm not texting him back. Um, <laughs> it's fine, but, uh, you know, it's, it feels good to know that he will be there with me in Malta this year. Um, he, he is one of the, he's based out in New Zealand. So, um, nice. if you see him wearing a New Zealand shirt, 
just ignore it. He don't even mean that. Um, <laughs> he's better in that moment. <laughs> um, I was going to ask you something about not nutrition stuff, training, coaching. Oh, man, the question left me. <laughs> yep. This happens probably way too often during the middle of a podcast. I'm like, man, I have a good one, and then it's just it, – it's gone. Um, it's me every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, gosh, it was – I want to remember it. But um, New Zealand – oh, is there a, a – if this is a topic you don't want to talk about, you can let me know. We can cut it out. But IPF versus USAPL, why have you decided to stick with the IPF? Well, um, I have goals in the IPF that I'm still currently trying to reach. Um, so that's my main reason. Um, I don't dislike USAPL. I dislike um, the way some things are handled. But I will not say that the USAPL is bad, right? Like every federation has its flaws, that's for sure. Um, but they were also very good to me. So I can't, I can't forget that part. You know, I don't like how things went down. Um, I don't like how it felt like things were kept secret. And then we were kind of just like put on the back burner. Um, But the IPF has also been very good to me. Right. And unfortunately, they are the only way that I can reach these certain goals. And once I reach them, who's to say that I won't go back USAPL? Like I still support all my friends in the USAPL. But I'm also 32 years old. <laughs> so like once these goals are met, I might just do things that I enjoy. Right. And if it's a USPA me, USPA me or a USAPL me, like so be it. It is what it is. But yeah. as far as like IPF and them goes, like I'm diehard right now until I meet them goals. I'm IPF all the way. Power lived in America. <laughs> is that um, winning open worlds is that like the is that the goal or is it your goal to hit specific numbers that you're looking for um there's yeah like i want my 200 kilo deadlift on the platform which is 440 pounds i've hit it so many times in training but i never got the opportunity to do it in competition and i know it's there but that's me setting myself up to the where i don't get it um so that's one of my goals um i do want to take back my title um last year was very hard for me because it took me four days to get to South Africa and only had half a day to recover. Oh my uh, god. That obviously wasn't the plan, but you know, that's just what I was handed. Like flight cancellations, like rescheduling, like it was the worst travel experience of my life to only like the day after I competed, I had to leave immediately after to come back to the US to try to prepare for world games, which I was invited to, but due to health reasons had to pull out. So oh, world- man. Right. So world games is also still in the back of my mind. Like there was just no way, like the doctors did not want it to happen. My body was like, absolutely not girl. Like this is when you say no. <laughs> Cause I, you know, we do give ourselves to the sport a lot. And sometimes it is hard to step back and say, you know what? T- now is not the time. But I'm in a place now where I'm healthy and I'm very confident in my abilities right now. So I'm going full steam into Malta. And then I might play around with some equipment lifting to get back into world games. <laughs> yes. No way. Yeah. Yeah. 
So lifting is hard. That anybody Mm -hmm. that's talking down on it has never tried it. It is tough. Trying to reach down to get the deadlift, like to reach that bar in a deadlift suit after I spent three hours trying to get the suit on. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) That was so difficult. So kudos to equip lifters. It is, it's not easy. I feel like it's Um, underrated. It's a, it, it died because raw just took over because mm-hmm. raw is a little more accessible, which I understand. Yeah. But it's such a complicated type of it's it's a different sport and it's a very it complicated sport. It is, and you need the right people who know what they're doing to be able to get you in these suits, to wrap your knees the right way, and to train you to the point because, like, even trying to hit depth in one of those suits, yikes. Like it was again hard enough to get the suit on, but now you want me to go low with it. Yeah, no. and then it's bench a new suit and bench shirts. No, zero out of ten recommend. <laughs> <laughs> Those hurt so much. <laughs> They're so painful, and like the margin for error for all three yeah. of them is just so tight. You know, you cannot mess up. Like you're risking a pretty significant injury with if a bench shirt like rolls back into your face or shits back down. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's scary. Have you lifted equipped? Yes. I had no idea. I thought you had always been wrong. All that private because like it was very new for me when I was trying it and I only was training in it because I got invited to world games. I was the wild card for the U S and so they sent me this equipment to train in but oh I took it off the internet and only was sending it to like um, kind of like veterans in the sport of equip lifting because it was so new to me and I didn't want people to be mean about it. I didn't yeah. want people just downplaying what I was trying so hard to accomplish. Like there's constructive criticism and I'm all open for it, but there's also people just looking to be mean and I wasn't yeah. in the mood for it. So I sent it to the people who would give me the advice that I need it. And I worked on it. So it was, it was very unfortunate when I had to pull out, but I mean, I waited till like the last second because I tried and it just, it wasn't happening, but it is a whole, it's a whole different game. For those that don't, for those that don't know about the world games, I mean, it's like the, the pinnacle of, of powerlifting. It, It is the, the, I, I, it's yes, you have raw, if you have classic worlds, and it seems like classic will be brought into the world games in the future, yeah. but it is like the upper echelon of, of powerlifting. This is pre- mm-hmm. pretty much the, the pinnacle of, of it, right? And it's, and it has to be equipped, and it's once every four years. Yes. yes. So it's just like a one step down for the Olympics. Yeah. It's as close to the Olympics as we could probably get. Yep. And, you know, so that was hard. It was in Birmingham, Alabama. It was in the U.S. Oh, my gosh. Right? So, like, you know, I had people mad at me for pulling out. I'm like, God, how do you think I feel right now? Like, I don't right. need you telling me, like, oh, you're mad. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> like, you didn't have to make this decision. I did. Um, so, it's it's one of those. And I even bought myself a shirt from World Games. So, it can motivate me to say, you know what? You have four years to get it together. Because that's still a goal of mine. And I think I could do quite well in it. Um, so I think if certain goals are met this year, I think I will go back to equip lifting 
to make sure I get that world card ticket or that world game ticket. Yeah. Oh shit. Yeah. That's crazy. I want to, I'm excited to see what your <laughs> lifts would be. And oh my God, that's yeah. huge. Yeah. That's I huge. Think so. Um, so then last question here, mm-hmm. what I always think that people have like a golden nugget, right? That they, they, mm-hmm. that they can pull, that people kind of can pull out of this podcast. Mm-hmm. And I think we've given a lot of golden nuggets from you, but what is one golden nugget that if you could leave the, you know, leave the world with, what would, what would that golden nugget be? Being a kind person in real life and on social media. Stop being the weird, mean person online. <laughs> Cause you don't know, you don't know what stage you're going into in somebody's life. Like you don't know where they're at mentally. So you don't know if what you say can affect them to, you know, put them in a darker place, but just be kind. Like at the end of the day, if this sport was gone, you can still be a kind person. How strong you are doesn't matter. How you treat people and how they view you means a lot more than that. Pretty sure that's going to leave more of a mark on them than how strong you are. Thank you for listening to the Ben Navarro's podcast. Check us out on iTunes, Spotify, and all other major podcast hosting platforms. Be sure to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. 